A very thin man goes into a car dealership and is looking at cars. The salesman comes up to him and asks the very thin man what type of car he is looking for. The thin man, whose face is very gaunt, asks about a mid-sized sedan that has received high praise for safety. The salesman... wait. This feels... wrong. I haven't made it this far into the joke in weeks. No interruptions from the other side? Okay. The salesman rattles off. Quickly, everyone. That Range Rover is speeding in the roundabout the wrong direction. No, no, this can't be. The rainy conditions are only going to make this worse. Do my eyes deceive? That's not a person driving the car. That's the Rougarou. The Rougarou is in a Range Rover going the wrong way round the roundabout in the rain. Hello, and welcome to another riveting and robustly filled with words that start with the letter R episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by the man with a rapacious and ravenous desire for hobbies, Angel. I can see you already foaming at the mouth with anticipation to talk about yet another one of your hobbies. I'll get right to it, Angel. Back in your freshman year of high school, you got what you told me was the greatest gift anyone has ever given to you. It was a brand new, direct-drive, high-speed, computer-controlled, zigzag stitching machine. Yes, I am speaking of the legendary LZ2290 Juki Corporation Industrial Sewing Machine that you affectionately have nicknamed Dr. Sinbad. Over the years, you have made some quality items, perfected your craft, but your new thing that I just find is simply amazing is body-sized pillows that you depict classically trained composers on. I have two questions. How did this come about, and which composer is your bestseller? Well, this all stemmed from my mother. She she was a seamstress back in the day, and she taught me how to sew on her sewing machine. It was a manual one. You had to pedal it with your feet. It's kind of like in the cartoons. It's like you see them riding a bike, it looked like. But they're just, you know seamstressing and you know i just learned how to thread that needle and oh. took off from there as for the composer i mean it's obvious it's franz list i mean the most handsome composer ever that well that's very subjective but <laughs> made lady swoon i don't know <laughs> you know i was really hoping it was brahms because i for one can't think of anything better than a life-size brahms in pillow form just like hugging the hell out of my Brahms pillow. I, I can make you one. Oh, Christmas comes late. I'm not entirely sure if it was Brahms or Schubert. One of them had syphilis, but <laughs> I hope it wasn't my pillow. I'm, I'm I'm make sure your your pillow has something. No, it's gonna be, it's gonna come true to true to the times. I guess. Well, I guess yep. that's another um, aspect of the quality. You just you fill the pillow with. <laughs> The diseases of the time, 
the sexually transmitted diseases of the time and transport people back in time. Yeah, I, I keep those in a jar for these occasions. <laughs> Just these occasions, though. Uh, n- no reason other than the full-sized body pillows that have classically yeah, wh- trained composers what, on them. What What else would I use them for? I don't, come on. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're implying. Anyway. <sighs> so, Angel, we are in a new year. This is our second episode of the new year, and I wanted to have, you know, two stories to say goodbye 2020, hello 2021, and I know no better way than trying to just predict 2021 and then saying, eh, it'll probably suck anyways. So why don't we look at yep. two news stories? The first one here from express.co.uk. It is a article on Nostradamus. And his 2021 predictions. The article titled Nostradamus 2021 Predictions Asteroid and End to All World Predicted in Horror Forecast. So it reads on Nostradamus has predicted a series of horrifying developments for 2021, because of course he has, including soldiers with microchip implants in their brains and an asteroid hitting Earth, cryptically adding all the world to end. The 16th century French astrologer wrote a list of thousands of predictions in 1555, and many of them appear to have come true in the years since. Nostradamus made predictions for every year up until 3797, and in 2021 is a particularly gloomy entry. Possibly hinting at an asteroid strike, he wrote, In the sky, one sees fire and a long trail of sparks. Asteroid impact monitors have identified 2009 f Z4, saying that it could possibly strike Earth in 2021. When asteroids enter the Earth's atmosphere, the friction causes a lump of rock and ice to heat up, causing it to glow and leave a fiery tail in its wake. NASA's Asteroid Monitoring Organization, the Center for Near-Earth Object Studies, has been tracking the trajectory of a multitude of asteroids, including 2009 FZ4. CNEOS organization has stated asteroid designated 2009 FZ4 has a chance of hitting Earth in 2021. This is because of the asteroid's trajectory. If it did impact the Earth, it would cause a large amount of devastation if it impacted with a large urban center. However, the asteroid monitoring organization states that this lump of space rock, which is the size of three double-decker buses, has a 1 in 420,000 chance of impact. Another frightening prediction is of soldiers with microchips implanted into their brains being introduced to world armies. Is that really frightening? I don't know. In 2021, Nostradamus said the use of advanced technologies with world military personnel will be greatly advanced. He wrote, the newly made one will lead the army, almost cut off up to near the bank. Help from the Milanus elite straining. The Duke deprived of his eyes in Milan in an iron cage. These strange claims reflect the advent of biological and digitally enhanced soldier in the People's Liberation Army. This supports the reports of U.S. Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe claiming that China is developing soldiers with biologically enhanced capabilities. Writing to the Wall Street Journal, Mr. Ratcliffe said, The intelligence is clear. Beijing intends to dominate the U.S. and the rest of the planet economically, militarily, and technologically. The French seer also claimed a scientist from Russia would create a biological weapon that could devastate society. Nostradamus wrote, Few young people, half dead to give a start, dead through spite. 
he will cause the others to shine and in an exalted place some great evils to occur. Sad concepts will come to harm each one, temporal dignified, the mass to succeed. Fathers and mothers dead to infinite sorrows, women in mourning, the pestilent she-monster, the great one to be no more, all the world to end. The seer also described what could be an earthquake striking somewhere in the world in 2021. His passage reads, The sloping park, great calamity, through the lands of the west and Lombardy, the fire in the ship, plague and captivity, Mercury in Sagittarius, Saturn fading. Readers of the French astrologer's work have claimed he predicted such events as the Great Fire of London and Adolf Hitler's rise to power. It is said that he also predicted the French Revolution and the creation of the atomic bomb. So, Angel, we have Nostradamus saying maybe an asteroid, maybe... Well, actually, he's not saying anything. That's just people interpreting his words into saying these things. What are your thoughts? I think it's interesting that Nostradamus being dead so many years ago is making new predictions all the time. I remember uh, during the when 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah, it was big. It was like Nostradamus... Everyone, time. <laughs> yeah, so so the, the whole Nostradamus predicted 9-11 thing happened. So I, being the skeptic that I am, would look it up on the internet and found the supposed uh, uh, refrain that, that he wrote and found that it was some, some guy wrote it and just claimed it was Nostradamus. And just as one is, uh, when they go on the internet, they go down the rabbit hole and I actually looked up Nostradamus's supposed actual predictions and i don't remember there anything being about any asteroid coming during 2021 or anything like that so suddenly yeah. that it's coming up it's i find it really interesting that oh yeah he predicted this thing sure sure he did and i don't get anywhere in the article about this military thing with like the implanted chips into soldiers heads i mean i read that whole article and i didn't get any any indication of anything like that i don't know is it are they saying like almost cut off up to near the bank they're saying like the bank is the brain i like the, i don't know and then the yeah the duke's deprived of his eyes in milan in an iron cage yeah it's just it, it it's it's they're just words that anyone can find any meaning in and none of it really matters because there's one simple fact angel they wrote, Nostradamus made predictions for every year up until 3797. So if oh. there actually is a world-ending prediction, why would he still make predictions after the world has already ended, you know? Right. I don't think there's anything to worry about. There, there wouldn't be any, any reason to predict about a world that's not there anymore. So... If he predicted, made predictions till 3070, what was that? 3797, I mean. Oh, 3797. So why wasn't anyone talking about this before the 2012 issue? I don't know. With the Mayan calendar. <laughs> Maybe it's just like the Mayans. They're like, eh, I gotta stop somewhere. <laughs> 3797 sounds like a good year to stop to me. The uh, other thing that really caught my eye, this the word, sad concepts will come to harm each one, temporal dignified, the mass to su succeed. That temporal word jumped out for our favorite temporal driver, John Titor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, mean, I got five buckles. 
<laughs> ready. That's like the currency in the future. Buckles. It's, I think we finally yeah. come to that conclusion. <laughs> that that was the secret message, but you've, you've we've figured cracked, it out. We've cracked the code. <laughs> yep. So leaving Nostradamus and his volumes and volumes and volumes of work that will get us to 3797. We move on to a different type of predictor, that of Baba Vanga and her predictions for 2021. So unexplainedmysteries.com has an article about her saying, the blind mystic's predictions for the next 12 months sadly don't sound much better than this year's. Vanga, who was born in Bulgaria in 1911 and died in 1996, age 85, spent most of her life in the Kazu Mountains and was renowned the world over for her prophetic predictions about the future. While a great deal of skepticism has always surrounded the accuracy of these predictions, many people remain adamant that she had successfully foretold a wide range of major global events. For 2020, she predicted several things, including that there would be a tsunami in China, that someone would try to assassinate Russian President Vladimir Putin, and that the President of the United States would suffer from some sort of health issue. It's certainly no secret that this year has been pretty dire. However, it seems that Vanga's predictions for 2021 aren't much better, assuming that there is any truth to them. So for the next 12 months, she predicted a lot of cataclysms and great disasters, as well as three giants uniting with a strong dragon, which some have speculated to be a reference to China. Difficult times will come, she said. We're witnessing devastating events that will change the fate and destiny of humanity. On a more positive note, she also seems to suggest that scientists would find a cure for cancer. The day will come when cancer will get tied with iron chains, she said. Could there be any truth to these predictions? An angel finishes with the best line that can finish a story with, only time will tell. That is a great ending. So how about your thoughts on Baba Vanga and her predictions for 2021? So we got, I guess, disasters, death, something maybe to do with China. And maybe the end of cancer? Um, when it comes to predictions, it really is less about seeing the future and more and more of uh, seeing the current trends and kind of coming uh, to a logical conclusion. So obviously we know disasters are always going to happen. So that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And sure, cancer being cured, that's a thing that we couldn't imagine right but to me more importantly is i want to pit these predictors you know nostradamus baba vanga and all these others that have um come into history i want to pit them against the time travelers Ooh, yeah (laughs) see who comes out with better predictions yeah, the crumpled paper kid. That's the one I got. My, <laughs> oh, you're, I got my money you're on all him. in on crumpled paper. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about crumpled paper guy until you just mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, I keep getting ads for him for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Is he selling stuff? <laughs> no. Like, like I'm in the news site, and one of the it's like an ad, but it'll be like, oh, this yeah, kid yeah, yeah. predicted the future because <laughs> you came from the future or something. And I was like, why is this an ad? Why is this being targeted? Uh, to I me? understand. Yep. Lucky you. I mean, <laughs> it, it's targeting you. <laughs> it knows you want to click, but maybe they're trying to get a message to me. Mm-hmm. That was his way. He's like, I need to get a message to Angel, and yeah. 
He's not reading my crumpled papers, but he's looking at this website, and I can talk to him through there, but he, God damn it, he's not clicking the link. <laughs> he needs me to make announcements on this podcast. <laughs> yes. It's the only way he can finish his mission. Well, Baba Vanga said we are witnessing devastating events that will change the fate and destiny of humanity. Maybe exactly what you said is that. So maybe, yeah. maybe we shouldn't talk about it any longer. <laughs> I got to add an extra lock to my bunker. <laughs> It's like the world line theory for John Titor. Like we we just branched off. One way is going one way, the other the other way. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know which side we're on right now. So with that being said, are you ready to take a bite into our cryptid for this episode, Angel? Nom nom nom. Nom. Get the bug repellent, mosquito nets, and hiking boots on. We are traveling to the Pelican State, Louisiana, in search of the Rugaroo. I've also got my butcher's apron on as I am ready to absolutely slaughter some Cajun and French words this episode. Are you? Most definitely. <laughs> Starting off with probably Rougarou. So what exactly is the Rougarou? This is a werewolf-like entity that is said to roam the swamps of Louisiana. But it isn't just any old werewolf. While it's said to have the body of a man, but with the head of a wolf or dog, it possesses vibrantly glowing red eyes. It can stand seven to eight feet tall, and is said to be more muscular and stronger than a normal werewolf due to having to trudge through and cross the dense swamps of the area. Claims have also been made that the Ruger is covered in moss or swamp foliage, once again due to traveling through and living in the bayou. So has this entity ever pinged on your weird radar angel no <laughs> an emphatic no no yep um yeah it's it's i mean werewolf yeah i'm aware of werewolves but mm -hmm. not the rougarou specifically and of course all of your werewolf knowledge coming from the great kate beckinsale movies <laughs> underworld underworld <laughs> yeah they, they definitely amazing i'd watch them again if i didn't you know claw my eyes out the first time I mean, eh, she tried. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't her fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was everyone else's. <laughs> what do you think of this description? Is it like the swamp thing in werewolf form? Well, of this like possible covered in moss and swamp foliage werewolf? Or it could be like the swamp ape, skunk ape. Oh, gosh, is it just a misidentification? Maybe I. They do call this. The, uh, I have. I've seen it referred to as the Louisiana. Bigfoot. That's a, a a weird like name for, but it's a werewolf. Yeah. So yep, <laughs> I agree. It doesn't make sense in Louisiana, <laughs> and it gets weirder. Uh -huh. Oh, I mean, get ready for this journey. <laughs> so, Angel, in preparation for this episode, I made the first big purchase for the show. You see, to crack the Rougarou, to become one with the Rougarou, we must travel to its ancestral home. In order to do so, I purchased an airboat, thus giving us the ability to get real deep and penetrate the bayou. So hop in, Angel. It's safe, I promise. <laughs> you ready? Sure am. The thing is, you see, I forgot to mention something. I learned a really neat thing on Wikipedia. A good, high-quality airboat in the U.S. can cost upwards of thirty-three to $70,000. So wow. $33,000 to $70,000 to, you know, just get around to the bayou, just try to find the Rougarou. Uh, that, was, that was too steep. So, however, 
In developing countries, they can be found for much cheaper. For instance, 2.5 million Iraqi dinars can get you an airboat. Angel, that's less than $2,500. That is a deal, my friend. But I have one request. I can't afford this and need 2.5 million Iraqi dinars. Can we convert some of your fantasy athlete bitcoins to Iraqi dinars? I, I feel like this is a scam and I'm going to lose all of my money. Well, here's the thing. Because I bought this thing from some really sketchy people and the Wikipedia page didn't mention that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we can discuss the details later. How about everyone's favorite axiom, Cotton Eye Joe's Razor, which states for someone to have come from somewhere, they must therefore go somewhere. So where did the Rougarou come from? So this is going to be a metaphorically a long journey, Angel. Like that of Marquette and Joliet traversing the wilds of America in a canoe, looking at the Piazza pictograph on the Illinois uh, limestone cliff. But we are in an Iraqi airboat, not in a canoe. And so to preface this, I don't think I have prepared as much background info to get to a creature as I have for this spicy meatball known as the Rougarou. You strapped in, Angel? There are no straps. Uh, I was even going to say, I was just looking at it. The straps aren't <laughs> connected to anything. I probably should not have bought this Iraqi airboat. <laughs> I think to answer, where did he come from? We have to go back. Like all things in life back to hogzilla what yep this is going to be a bit of a dip into the waters of colonial american history so do you remember who is responsible for bringing pigs to america which set the groundwork for our feral pigmageddon that we find ourselves in today of course it was the dirty spaniards it, it was and we have <laughs> a we have like a, a a lineup of three people columbus ponce de leon and Hernando de Soto. So, one of the three. We, we think Columbus brought him to the island, and he's like, ah, I'm out. I'll, I'll get him back the next round. They'll, they'll have populated the island, and I can hunt him. Ponce de Leon, you know, searching for his fountain of youth. He's like, I gotta bring pigs to Florida. And then Hernando de Soto, up on the Mississippi River in the Delta in the 1500s, he toiled around, and he's like, well, might as well introduce pigs to the Mississippi Delta. We brought the pigs. We're done. Good job. So fast forward to the 16 and 1700s, it saw the French laying claim to pretty much everything south of the Great Lakes, east of the Rockies, and west of the Allegheny Mountains. Thus, Louisiana is theirs, wild, feral pigs and all. So post-1760, and the years leading to the end of the Seven Years' War, one of your favorite wars, Angel, or the confusingly named French and Indian War, France ceded most of its land east of the Mississippi to the British. As part of that loss, French colonists of Acadia, so that's historically the lands in Canada of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island, they were expelled from the region. So through the expulsion, many colonists relocated to what was actually now Spanish Louisiana. Now I know, Angel, you are always, always saying we need to talk more about various historical treaties on the show. Get down to the brass tacks of political arguments between governments, as you say. And I was like, well, okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and damn it, it's time to let you have your fun. This is our newest segment of the show called Angel's Historical Treaty Talk Corner. 
first item on the on the docket today, the Treaty of Fontainebleau in 1762 saw power over the rest of Louisiana transferring to the Spanish. And the reason for the trip down memory lane of these absolutely terrific times in Louisiana, any guesses, Angel? Um, they love their cooking. <laughs> and this concludes Angel's Historical Treaty Talk Corner. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> this this all leads now to your hero, Angel. I know even more so than the treaties, you've been going on for weeks about this one man. So even more than the Treaty of Fontainebleau, the OG himself, Luis de Unzaga y Amizaga, the third Spanish governor of Louisiana. So in 1769, he shows up in New Orleans with his number one bro, Alejandro O'Reilly, to quash the rebellion of pissed-off French colonists who were angry about the transfer to Spanish power, of course. So now, so Luis was no slouch. All he wanted to do was just be a good goddamn governor. He handled the transition of power from the French to Spanish rule by appointing French citizens to government posts made significant improvements to the infrastructure and tolerated illegal British trade, which made the residents actually enjoy his governance. That let actually the people purchase goods at prices they could afford when they actually bought the illegal British goods at port. He also welcomed more and more Arcadians into the colony in an effort to gain more citizens. Thus, Unzaga's willingness to bring more people into the area it actually changes everything as the acadians are really where the rougarou story kicks off in america as those exiles who resettled into louisiana are what we now know today as the cajuns so angel with that overly long explanation of how the cajuns came to be we also have to look into the werewolf lore as well and then see actually where these two meet so werewolf lore could be entirely a separate episode unto itself. So I won't mm -hmm, delve mm -hmm. too deep into it. So with that being said, let's start with the beginnings of human history, shall we? <laughs> so the reason I say that is cultures around the world, as far back as human history, uh, they have stories involving men shaping into animals. But for our purposes of the Rougarou, we are best served, I think, to look at European folklore and concepts of lycanthropy or the ability or curse to transform from man to werewolf. Mm -hmm. So some academics believe the rise in the true belief of werewolves paralleled the belief of witchcraft that ran rampant in the medieval to early modern age. So just like witch hunts, there were actually werewolf hunts and werewolf trials. There is even a time span for about 200 years starting in the 1400s, that Europe was actually having some real issues with werewolf trials. One of the most well-known werewolf trials was that of Peter Stump, a one-handed serial killer. That is to say, he had, he had one hand. He didn't target to murder only one-handed people. I'm guessing his last name was related to the one hand. <laughs> to the stump, yep. <laughs> I hope so, or else that's a... <laughs> Uh, like a, a, a foretold name, like self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Peter Stump? Not at all. So in the late 1500s near Bedburg, Germany, he gets caught 
And before I tell you how he was tortured, because of course they tortured the man, I want to ask you, Angel, what is your all-time favorite historic torture device out there? And we'll see if Peter Stump's fate is that of your favorite one. I think it's the pyramid. What was that? They hang a person, right? And they put him right above a pyramid and they slowly have him descend on it. So basically like a spike at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's that's not fun. (laughs) I mean, you're slowly lowering. uh, Are they face down or um, face up getting lowered into it? I guess either way is just as bad. Yeah. Whichever way you think is worse is the way. (laughs) So I thought you would go with the brazen bull. So supposedly, have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I don't remember what it is. I I don't know if it's actually a real one or if it's just one of these made up ones that's uh, sort of got thrown into the mix. But supposedly a hollow Browns bowl, someone would be actually be put into it and then cooked alive. As the heat would increase, screams from inside would be converted by an acoustic apparatus to make the sound of a bowl. Antiquity was a hell of a time to be alive, wasn't it? Well, um, there was a depiction of this in a film. I, I think it was I'm, Immortals, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> I was thinking oh. of Ace Ventura Pet Detective when nature oh, calls. In the rhinoceros. <laughs> in the rhinoceros. <laughs> Pretty much. That's it. <laughs> Except he escaped. Yes. It wasn't the pyramid or the brazen bull angel. Stump gets stretched on a rack after confessing to having been a practitioner of black magics from the young age of 12. Supposedly, Satan himself bequeathed Stump a magical belt, which allowed him to transform into a werewolf, specifically into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body, and mighty paws. So apparently for about 25 years, Stump went around killing various animals, like goats and sheep, then moved on to humans, killing and eating at least 14 children, describing the parts of the body that he ate as dainty morsels. He also claimed to have had relations with a succubus sent to him by Satan. So, gesture kind of guy, right? Yep. So, what do you think (laughs) of this gift from Satan? In the tier of gifts so far this season, we have Santa Claus. He was gifted the mantle of immortality from the Council of Immortals. And Satan's given out werewolf belts. Did Santa or Peter Stump get the better deal? I think um, neither. Oh, is there a third option? Maybe, possibly. (laughs) I'm holding off for that one. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) do you want a werewolf belt? Um, Do I want one? (laughs) Or do you have one? (laughs) Well, maybe we should save that for the curio (laughs) side of things. (laughs) The werewolf belt of... 1550 the secret's actually in the buckle (laughs) oh no so don't unbuckle it maybe that's the thing keeping you from turning into a werewolf (laughs) yep so as far as peter stump and his punishment the rack wasn't just like oh boy you're getting stretched to death stump was attached to a wheel had his flesh torn from his body with red hot pincers then his limbs were broken with the blunt side of an axe head with the purpose of that being the limbs were broken so that he would not be able to crawl out and rise from his grave if he ever had the chance. Then he was apparently beheaded and had his body burned. 
as a warning to other people for making ungodly packs and being gifted werewolf belts by Satan, the town erected a pole with a torture wheel and the figure of a wolf on it, and finally placed Stump's severed head on top of the pole. Think that was a suitable punishment for old Peter Stump? I don't even know what he did wrong. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Listen, they, they tortured a confession out of him. There's nothing he did wrong. They wanted to kill somebody and and teach somebody a lesson. And he was their scape, scape werewolf. Yes, exactly. It's it's a it's a terrible time and they should all be dead. So you're your hashtag are. team team stump. <laughs> team stump, yes. Stump did no wrong. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know if you're on the right side of history there, Angel. Pardon stump. <laughs> Hard and stumped? <laughs> Pardon. <laughs> Pardon stump. Well, hard and stump is a whole other side of that Peter Stump story. So the reason I bring all this up, Angel, Europe was up to its stretched on a rack, elongated neck and werewolf beliefs. This then gets brought to the New World, to places like Acadia, and then with the expulsion of those people, to places like Louisiana. European countries like France had a deep history with wolves, specifically a combative history through antiquity up into the late 1800s. It had one of the largest wolf populations in Europe, an insane wolf population with people trying to live their lives and not be eaten by wolves, begets a pretty long-lasting history with the animal. So here is your French War on Wolves pop quiz for the week, Angel. When was the last time a bounty was put on a wolf in France? I would say, based on my uh, recent calculations of some side projects I've been working on. Um, oh, God. <laughs> some side hobbies? <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe it was 1996. We were close. You're in the right century. 1927. <laughs> so this is basically the feral hog problem, but with wolves for all of French history into the 1900s. Oh my god. So at least we don't have the wolf problem. At least that up until then. Yeah. So I know I didn't want to go deep into the history of this, but it's just too much fun, Angel. To finish this very brief history of werewolves, <laughs> in order to get us still to the Rougarou, I wanted to read one of the first known written stories of a werewolf. I thought it was pretty neat. This is from Patronius, a member of Emperor Nero's court in the mid first century and i'm pretty sure this like our sub theme of this season has been rome because we can't get away from it so most scholars agree patronus wrote the satyricon but like most things in history that is also debated the satyricon is basically a novel and one of the characters trimalcio described as an, an extremely vulgar and wealthy former slave he's talking to another character niceros so Trimalcio is like, Niceros, dude, why do you look so sad and why are you being so quiet? You look so unhappy. Niceros responds with basically, Psh, man, Trimalcio, I've seen some shit. I don't want to be a downer, but if you want to listen to my story, that's on you. So then he goes on to share his story with a bunch of people at a dinner. So the story goes from Niceros. When I was a slave, we were living in a narrow street where the home of Gavis is now. <clears throat> there is where the gods decided... I would fall in love with the wife of Terence the innkeeper. Oh, Niceros, you dog. It goes on. <laughs> you do remember Melissa from Tarentum. 
that most beautiful little package. By God, I loved her less for her body and sexcapades than I did for her fine morals. She didn't deny me anything I sought. She made a penny, I got half. I put everything I put into her lap, and I was never cheated. Her husband passed away at the inn one day. As you can imagine, I, ris I risked Skyla and Charbidus so I could get to her. For, as they say, friends are present in times of need. So for, for reference... Skyla and Charbidus were things that tried to F with Odysseus in the Odyssey. Skyla was basically a hydra that lived on a rock, and Charbidus was an everlasting whirlpool. So when the ships tried to avoid the whirlpool, Skyla would eat all the sailors. So it was like the perfect symbiotic relationship. Anyways, by chance, my master was visiting Kapua in pursuit of some business. I took my chance and compelled a guest to accompany to the fifth milestone so, Angel, for reference, because I know you're wondering, a Roman mile is one and a half kilometers. So that doesn't really have anything to do with the story, but now you know. <laughs> he was a soldier as strong as Orcus. We blundered off around the time of the cock's crow. So for more reference, that means two hours after midnight. While the moon was shining as bright as midday, we went among the graves, and my friend went among the stones to defecate. Crapping on graves. It's not cool. <laughs> I sat singing and counting grave markers. And then, as I looked for my companion, he appeared and placed his clothes near the road. My breath nearly jumped out my nose. I was standing like a corpse. So once again, for reference, because this stuff is awesome, and it's I love it. So Romans <laughs> believed when you died, your soul escaped through your nose or your mouth. So the sight of what he saw nearly killed him. But he pissed around his clothes and suddenly became a wolf. Don't you dare imagine I am joking, that I am lying. I make up nothing for such an inheritance as this. But back to what I started to say after he turned into a wolf, he began to howl and fled into the forest. At first, I didn't remember where I was. Then I went to gather up his clothes, but they had transformed into stones. What could I do but die from fear? I drew my sword and struck all the shadows before me until I made it to my girlfriend's home. So awesome imagery there. He, his friend turns into a, a wolf. The clothes have turned into stone. Niceros nearly dies of fright. So then he draws his sword and just starts swinging it in the open air and then yeah. runs away. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Peace. I'm out. It goes on. I entered as pale as a ghost with sweat rushing down my groin, my eyes nearly dead. I could hardly regain myself. My Melissa was at first surprised because I had gone out so late. And then she said, I wish you had come home earlier. You could have helped us. A wolf entered the house and loosed more blood from the ship than a butcher. He escaped, but didn't laugh. An old slave tore his throat with a spear. Once I heard these words, I could not sleep any longer. At first light, I fled from the home of Gaius like an angry landlord. But once I came to the place where his clothes had turned into stone, I found nothing but blood. Honestly, I went home and my soldier was lying like a bowl on his bed as a doctor was tending to his neck. I knew that he was a shapeshifter then, and I wouldn't have been able to share a meal with him even if he threatened to kill me. Let these men believe what they want about this, but if I am lying, let the gods hate me. So what do you think of Petronius's story? There's a lot of weird things going on in this story, and I, I guess some holes in it. He's he went home to his girlfriends after after he ran away back to his girlfriends. Yeah, Niceros has a fruitful love life. It sounds like, and and the girlfriend said that she saw a wolf come by. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, the wolf entered their house. So the way that I was uh, reading it, so the his friend turned into this wolf and then like went, they must have been going to their house together. So then the wolf completed its journey to the house while Niceris was drew his sword and just started hacking at the air in fear and then took a while to get home. The wolf had beaten him home and started attacking people in the house, but a slave uh, cut it in the throat and it ran away. It's just so bizarre mm-hmm. because it's not, it's not, it's not, he's, he's talking about how it's like, oh, you know, believe what you want of my story, but I, I'm not lying. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what based on what he's telling me, other people saw this happen too. They all saw this supposed wolf. Where's their uh-huh. eyewitness account? I know. That's the one I'm interested Niceros in. Niceros just got to get more evidence. Bring it to the bring it to the party. <laughs> he's looking so glum at the party. Just have some fun, Niceros. <laughs> so if we want to English lit 101 this, you could argue the representation of people shredding their clothes to become a wolf is them shredding their humanity, their rejection of civilization, and the embrace of nature. Does that sound good to you? Sure. Yep. <laughs> and this completes the, our newest segment, Angel's <laughs> uh, Literary <laughs> Explorations. So <laughs> the overall academic consensus is that this story is, of course, satire. So in that it's making fun of the Greeks, another uh, sub-theme that we have found so far in this season, the Romans and hate the Greeks, <laughs> in the idea that they think that the Greeks would believe anything that they hear. Indeed, there's actually even a Greek myth of the king Lycoen, who is a real dick and tries to test the omniscience of Zeus. So King Lycoen, he kills his own son and tries to feed the meat to Zeus to test if Zeus would know that it's human flesh. So Zeus is like, F out of here, you trash, and turn Lycoen into a wolf, <laughs> and thus became the first werewolf. The, the, the Romans just thought that the Greeks believed everything that they have heard, and it was more this idea of making fun of the Greeks for believing that there were werewolf creatures out there. On one side of an angel, do you know where Lycoen was king of? Uh, No. Arcadia, the place that oh. the displaced Cajuns came from. Mm-hmm. Arcadia. Coincidence? Probably not. It's not, because they <laughs> aren't even the same place. They're just words that sound similar. <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts on uh, the Greeks and the Romans and any lasting thoughts on Petronius' story? Yes. I think it's hilarious that the Romans hate the Greeks, even though they pretty much stole their culture. But whatever. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> They're like, this is ours. This is not yours. <laughs> we are much better. So going closer to our time, the Greek medical doctor, Orivasis, he wrote about treatment of lycanthropy and the basis of it as a mental illness. And this was in the 4th century. He wrote, men who are afflicted with lycanthropy go out at night and imitate wolves in every way, spending time until daybreak among the gravestones. So a little bit of Petronius' story there with the gravestones. Mm-hmm. You will recognize that someone is suffering from this by following symptoms. They appear pale and look weak. They have dry eyes and cannot cry. You may observe that their eyes are hollow and their tongue is especially dry. They cannot really produce saliva. They are thus thirsty. In addition, they have wounded shins from scraping the ground frequently. So, ooh. 
shins are hurting on werewolves. <laughs> These are the symptoms for treatment. It is important to recognize that this is a type of melancholy, which you may treat at the time the disease is noticed by cutting open the veins and draining blood until the patient almost passes out. Let him be washed in a sweet bath. After rubbing him down with milk whey for three days, apply a pumpkin salve to him on the second and third day. Following these cleansings, anoint him with the antidote from viper venom and do the rest of these things prescribed for melancholy. When the disease has already come over, those who are accustomed to sleepwalk, anoint them with lotion and rub opium on their ears and nostrils when they are ready to sleep. Do you agree with this treatment, Dr. Angel? Of course. It's 100% scientifically and medically uh, sound. It sounds to me like the cure to everything. A nice bloodletting and some opium on the ears, right? I mean, it works for me. <laughs> That's your nightly, uh, <laughs> instead of some lavender lotion, just uh, some opium. Uh, morning and night. <laughs> oh, no. And, and midday and mid-afternoon. and <laughs> All day. I mean, <laughs> it can, I can, I, you can use it as a meal replacement. Yeah. Don't take my word for that, though. No, no. Dr. Angel is not a medical doctor <laughs> or any other type of doctor. <laughs> so as mental illnesses and a uh, transformative process, the Greeks were all in on werewolves. So the Roman hate for Greek werewolf love is also reinforced by your main man, your brother from another mother, Pliny the Elder, the oh, OG man. Roman naturalist philosopher himself is back. <laughs> He makes another appearance in his natural history book, the same book he wrote about the Atlas that could not bend its legs. He writes of the origins of the story of Versipellus. This literally means changing the skin. It was applied by some ancient medical writers to a peculiar form of insanity where the patient conceives himself changed into a wolf. So Pliny writes that men have been turned into wolves and again restored to their original form. We must confidently look upon as untrue unless indeed we are ready to believe all the tales which for so many ages have been found to be fabulous but as the belief of it has become so firmly fixed in the minds of the common people as to have caused the term versipellus to be used as a common form of imprecation i will here point out its origin euanthes a grecian author of no mean reputation dang Pliny's throwing some shade at Euanthes, informs us that the Arcadians assert that a member of the family of one of Anthus is chosen by lot and then taken to a certain lake in that district where, after suspending his clothes on an oak, he swims across the water and goes away into the desert where he is changed into a wolf and associates with other animals of the same species for a space of nine years. If he has kept himself from beholding a man during the whole of that time, he returns to the same lake and, after swimming across it, resumes his original form, only with the addition of nine years in age to his former appearance. To this, Fabius adds that he takes his former clothes as well. It is really wonderful to what a length the credulity of the Greeks will go. There is no falsehood, if ever so barefaced, to which some of them cannot be found to bear testimony." So we have the educated and thoughtful Pliny, the Mr. Unbending Ackless Leg is real, and sail my boat towards a volcano and die. What do you think of Pliny's uh, hatred of the Greeks and their werewolf? Um, I don't blame him. 
<laughs> so you don't like the Greeks and their werewolf either. <laughs> no, the Greeks are fine. Werewolves, though. I mean, there's a, you know, come on, it's a werewolf. It's not really that scary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> big words. So we have, yeah. at this point, I think, established two things. So who the Cajuns are, people who would have brought the uh, French cultural experience and ideas to Louisiana and really influenced the culture there. And we have a history of werewolves throughout European history, even into antiquity. So now, enter the Rougarou. The Rougarou is the Cajun form of the French word loup-garou, basically meaning werewolf. So according to legend, the Rougarou stalks the forests and swamps of Louisiana, looking to drain some poor fool of his blood and move on to the next victim. Stories of it usually boil down to being a tool to scare children to behave or listen to their parents. The whole boogeyman is out to get you if you disobey, don't eat your vegetables, frickin' Rougarou is gonna eat you. That sort of idea. Does that sound um, sort of what you may have found, Angel? Sort of. (laughs) Sounds like there might be a theory or something after this. There's a theory. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, however, the Rougarou also really hates a specific subset of peoples, disobedient Catholics. This then ties into a belief by a lot of historians that the Acadians were devout Catholics. So, indeed... Going back to your uh, your favorite Louisiana governor, Luis, in letters to the Spanish, Acadians mentioned their deep attachment to the Catholic tradition, which one could say is just them trying to gain favor from the governor and let them live there. But researchers like John Howard Young in 1988, he wrote an article about how the Acadians' claim to Catholicism was like a matter of identity politics for them. So it's just... Uh, sort of something to back up the claim that they are really, really into Catholicism. So this then enters the whole idea of the Rougarou being attached to uh, wanting to devour uh, disobedient Catholics. So supposedly, the Rougarou will hunt and kill Catholics who are not observing Lent and abiding by its rules. Lent being the religious observation period of things like repentance and fasting. And I think think it's 40 days excluding Sundays I think so if you're gonna break the rules of Lent for seven consecutive years Rougarou gonna get you you will transform at that point into the Rougarou yep <laughs> it sounds like Angel you've been obedient <laughs> you never told me it turned into the Rougarou <laughs> well I probably wouldn't remember if I did <laughs> uh oh someone's been disobedient however being a disobedient lent observer isn't the only way to become the dog-faced beastie boy another way is through a spell or curse or by being bit by someone afflicted by the curse for 101 days you'll be forced to stay in the shape of the werewolf to rid yourself of the curse someone else must cut you and draw blood but the curse then transfers onto that person but then there's this weird caveat if the person who cuts the Rougarou never speaks of it and they can keep the encounter secret, they will keep the curse at bay and not transform into it. How about that? I mean, that sounds like really, I don't know, like if I, if that happened to me, I just wouldn't tell anyone and then I would never have to turn into it. I don't, I don't understand. But like, <laughs> if you think about like the process, that means 
like so somebody got bit by the Rougarou and at some point like went a hundred days and then told somebody and then turned into the Rougarou. But then another person lasted 101 days and never never told a soul and they didn't turn into the Rougarou. Man, sucks to be that person that lasted 100 days and then spilled the beans about getting bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't hold it anymore. I just gotta tell somebody. Need to tell everyone. <laughs> Beyond being a horrible Christian, disobedient child, drawing the blood of the Rougarou, another way to become one is to look directly into the eyes of the beast. So historically, the eyes of wolves have been a big deal for people, the sort of allure of nature, that sort of thing. So what do you think about this one? Just locking eyes condemns you to the fate of the Rougarou. Yeah, that I think that's what happened to Anton Mesmer of Mesmerism fame. Turned into the Rougarou? <laughs> that's the story I'm putting out there right now. Uh, you need to tell me more about this. <laughs> well, he, he believed that he can essentially uh, hypnotize people by staring at them with his eyes and he calls you know he called this was called mesmerism mm -hmm. and he believed that the eye contact that he was doing had some sort of animal magnetism sound like something to you animals hmm. the allure it's there the allure yep. of nature yep. it's in his eyes i'm mesmerized <laughs> i did see some hints of if you consume human flesh you risk becoming a rougarou as well but it wasn't very prevalent I couldn't really find that many sources to back that up. So I was like, I, I sort of felt that that was like somebody took something from the Wendigo and I was like, mm -hmm. we're throwing, we're just pad up the Rougarou here, throw in some Wendigo. Yeah. Lastly, a witch has the ability to be the one that to pass on the curse. And once afflicted in this manner, there is no way to reverse it unless only the witch would have that power and good luck convincing a witch that decided to turn you into a Rougarou to reverse that spell because I would imagine you had to be a pretty big jackass to get there in the first place. <laughs> so no matter how you get it, once you become the entity, you seemingly have the desire to kill and consume flesh. So at, at this point now, Angel, what's your opinion so far? You on the Rougarou wagon yet, or maybe the better term is the Rougarou airboat? Um, well... I applaud your efforts at trying to trace the origins of the Rougarou way back when to its uh, werewolf origins. But just like your favorite um, movie and novel series, the Twilight series, I know you're... <laughs> God. I we're supposed to tell people that. <laughs> that was a secret. I know you're Team Jacob. No, no I'm not. I'm Team Edward. <laughs> not according to what you just told everybody. Oh, no. <laughs> Because Team Jacob is the werewolf side and Team Edward is the vampire side, which is the one I present to you of the Rougarou. Wait. <laughs> Vampires? Vampires, that's right. You see, you've painted the picture of the Rougarou being as a kind of werewolf. But I believe he is, it is some kind of werewolf vampire Union. Angel, <laughs> I mentioned this earlier of Kate Beckinsale and your love for Underworld. Are you just telling me the Underworld plot? <laughs> no. Because I'm pretty sure that happens in Underworld. There's a hybridization of vampire and werewolf. You you kind of you kind of skimmed it there when you mentioned the 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 the, 
the Rougarou, you know, if you hold the uh, the spell in for 101 days, you'll be free of it. You mentioned it that uh, you know he, you have to drain another human's blood. Uh huh. And that's 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 the ticket in, because there are other creatures in other cultures, of Dominica, Saint Lucian, Trinidad, Guadalupe, and obviously Louisiana, of a creature known as the Sucuyant or Sucreant, also known as Lugaru, Olehig. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And Asema in Suriname. And in the Bahamas, it's known as the hag. It is a blood-sucking hag. Or it's a shapeshifter who appears as as an old woman during the day. And at night, she takes off her skin and puts it in a mortar. And she puts it in a mortar. (laughs) No, not the mortar and pestle again. (laughs) So... In her true form, I do want to. I just want to say though, I, I think I went at least four weeks without hearing pestle until. <laughs> yep. It's uh, goddamn it. <laughs> so when she takes off her skin, she's a fireball, and she flies across the sky searching for a victim. She then can enter the home of any of her vi- of her victim through any sized hole. So tiny God, cracks. She's like Santa Claus. <laughs> Yes, I, I mentioned this to you because when we do the rubric of power, this is going to explain oh, to you no. the reasons of my uh, my scores. Sukuya is able to suck people's blood from any soft part of their body, including their arms and legs, while they sleep, leaving them blue-black marks in the, uh, uh, in the morning. So, I'm not going to talk, continue talking about the Sukuya, because I also want to bring up the Mananangal which is a Philippine creature, also known for looking kind of like a bat and fangs, also known for sucking blood. The Adze is a vampire creature in Africa. Then you have the Striga, which is probably the more common vampire that we're familiar with mm-hmm. of um, Albanian mythology. It's also, uh, the the word also means witch, so kind of relates to the whole thing. And there's also uh, a South American vampire called a chonchon. It's a, actually it's from Chile and Argentina, which is a, a, a fly. It's essentially a, a head with giant ears and the ears are the wings that it allows it to fly. That's absolutely horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason I bring this all up is because these are all creatures that suck blood and have uh, similarities to this um, either shape-shifting or transforming into some other kind of thing. And I think the the Sukyan being the closest to the the Rougarou and also uh, with the... um, a lot of the French-speaking countries. I think the Rougarou, you know, with all these origins converging into Louisiana, is now have the characteristics of a vampire that can shapeshift, a werewolf, and possibly a Bigfoot now that he lives in the swamp. So he's, like, evolved to his yeah. environment. Yes. That's actually a note I wrote down. On one of my uh, scores here. Essentially, 
how cryptids evolve depending on the geography and the culture. Ooh. So here's a <laughs> here's a thing though. So one of the ways to rid yourself of the curse is to have somebody draw the blood of from the Rougarou. So also one aspect could be of the the blood sucking vampire could be actually the savior of it draws the uh, the curse out of you with the blood sucking and then takes it upon itself mm-hmm so you you transfer the power like and it makes Mothman itself didn't. and it makes it stronger <laughs> oh god the mothman now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think this creature is 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 definitely a contender mm-hmm. not to be messed with so now that we know potentially the mega powers that it could have i think now is a good time to look into the ways that you can kill it <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't the stereotypical silver bullet to kill the creature one way that i found a, uh, to protect yourself from the rougarou it said placing 13 pennies or rocks on your doorstep or windowsill was one traditional way to protect yourself when the rougarou comes looking for you it will become confused and keep trying to count the items it is said that since the creature doesn't know the number 13, the pennies keep the monster at bay continuously <laughs> counting until it has to retreat back into the swamps upon sunrise. So is that a, a good way in your book for Werewolf Repellent, Angel? Of course. <laughs> Always want to make sure that if if these if you have a if you if you're aware that a creature that is currently haunting you or somebody you, you love, if you know that they are so compulsive that they're going to count the things, the little items that you throw at them, you're going to take advantage of that. Just keep a pocket full of pennies, a pocket full of beans, rocks, whatever. Just, it's like a, that's my mantra, really. Just a pocket full of beans keeps the Rougarou away. <laughs> Another way is uh, that I found putting a leaf in your wallet keeps the Rougarou at bay or Painting a hexagon in the center of your floor of your home also keeps the Ruger away. Apparently, it hates leaves and hexagons. So, <laughs> that's at least ways to keep it at bay. What do you think about the leaf and hexagon options? I don't get the hexagon thing. I don't, is that maybe, I guess, maybe it's like a, it must like have, a witchcraft type yeah, thing? It must have, yeah, some sort of like... Um, like a banishing or like something? Like shape, yeah, some sort of... A, um, a seal? I'm trying to think of the word, yeah, like some sort of like sigil motion that maybe has been lost in, yeah. like in history as far as why, but it just said that the, the that specific shape is a repellent for it. Oh, uh, no. And as far as killing it, burning is often believed to be the best way. Others believe it is not really dead until it's decapitated and even going a little further and then mutilating the body after the beheading. One last thing to mention is that it also said that the Rougarou can be a master, like you said this, Angel, a master at shape-shifting in that it can be more than just a wolfman, that it could potentially take the form of the skunk ape so angel all along that wasn't skunk ape you just got rugarood <laughs> anything you want to bring forward about this entity before we look into where did it go well talk uh talking about the sukuyant again it mentions that 
It's very similar. You throw rice around the house and it will be forced to count every grain. Dang. That's so interesting to me. Like this whole idea. I mean, this must be some old world stuff. Of, yeah. Of like confused, like do like demonic entities and like unnatural beasts must yeah. not understand numerical values. And like once they start <laughs> the concept of it, it really messes with their heads and they're like, I got to count it. I got to count yeah. it, but I got, uh, I got to start over. I lost my count. Yeah. Like, it, it's so bizarre to me. It is. And how did like somebody figure that out? You know, like, <laughs> know. let me just throw these beans. Oh, it's counting them. All right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I want to be in that original situation of how that lore starts of, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm getting, I'm getting hunted by a hag that puts her skin in, in a, <laughs> in a pot. And I got some rice in my pockets. My last ditch effort, I chucked my rice. Oh my god, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and and speaking of, so when you chuck your rice and she's uh, too busy counting it, what you do then is you put salt in her, in the mortar to destroy her skin, and this will kill her because she won't be able to put it back on. Dang, that's like some lich <laughs> phylactery business there, like destroying its <laughs> essence to yep. uh, to ultimately kill it so she's distracted counting rice so that gives you free reign to get to the mortar to salt her flesh Mm -hmm. turn it into a slug that's nuts it's like (laughs) it's like some sort of like video game puzzle (laughs) (laughs) yeah my god what have we uncovered (laughs) so many more questions than even went in with so i i think the only question i can successfully answer though is where did it go and this is a pretty easy one, Angel, as there are still reports of people claiming to have seen the Rougarou in Louisiana. So this cryptid is not going anywhere anytime soon. So why don't we, Angel, jump into the rubric of power before the Rougarou sets its eyes into ours and we become one with it. So how do you rank the powers of the Rougarou? Given, given what I revealed earlier. I, I, oh well, God, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a werewolf it's a vampire it's the skunk ape it's <laughs> it oh, can so change at that point then are you are you because i love interrupting you does yeah. um <laughs> does that then count that it has the skunk ape's powers that's i i i've thought about that and i don't know if 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 shape-shifting means you have the powers of the thing that you or just take the appearance of it and not the inherent powers of it i i mean it i think this thing's powerful enough (laughs) it doesn't need the skunk apes teleportation uh mind mind control men in black mind wiping (laughs) the whole we all know that (laughs) yeah it's i mean it could it turns into a fireball it's Sometimes an old lady it can take off its skin. It can be killed though, so it's not immortal like Santa. And because All of uh, Peter Stump, until he got the belt, Santa got the <laughs> the mantle. Immortality. I think yeah. Santa got the better end of that deal. <laughs> so because of that, uh, I had to knock off a few points, and I gave the oh really? Rougarou <laughs> a three point seven five. Oh my! A few points. That means it was. <laughs> like four plus (laughs) yikes i mean this thing is pretty powerful Mm -hmm. 
the um the the mention of the fireball thing actually makes me think of the nostradamus prediction that we had talked about of the <laughs> like the fireball in the sky with a like, uh, sparkling trail behind it that yeah. they the, the website it claimed it was the asteroid yeah i think it's the ruguru witch skinless oh my lady. god it all connects and that's coming 2021 so <laughs> it's coming <laughs> maybe oh, for no. you <laughs> Maybe 2021 is the year of the Rougarou. I need to order a new calendar. <laughs> Get the Rougarou 2021 set. <laughs> the way I looked at it, honestly, going into it, I think, or I thought that the powers section had to be something that the Rougarou would have to excel at to get a good overall score. But in my research of it, it didn't do enough to impress. So we have a, by my research, a werewolf with altered powers of transferring the curse. It's not a bite. It's not a, uh, it's not just, not only just a bite or a hereditary trait that you inherit. Um, it is, you know, by sight, spilling its blood. And I don't really get that one, the spilling its blood. It's like you're defending yourself from the Rougarou and you become the monster. Like one of the <laughs> only ways to kill it is to behead it. There's probably going to be a lot of blood spilling in that beheading. So does that person become the Rougarou? I mean, it's a, it's a built-in uh, failsafe. There's, okay, yeah. <laughs> my virus will spread no matter what. There's <laughs> just, I don't know, that like that whole aspect of it, of like the the rules of the Rougarou, are very confusing to me. But mm -hmm. as far as its powers, it, it has greater agility and enhanced strength by default of living in the swamp. Like, it must be stronger than its normal, like, or European cousin or anything like that. But I don't know, Angel. Maybe I'm jaded now. I need my powers <laughs> to pop and wow. And it didn't pop and wow. I gave the Rougarou a two, an adequate for powers. How about detectability? Uh, with detectability, I... I had a hard time. I mean, you mentioned that maybe the, there's still sightings, but I had a hard time finding any. Every time I searched Rougarou sightings, all I get was stories like the legend of the Rougarou. Mm -hmm. But the only time I do get sightings is all YouTube. It's all YouTube videos of actual uh, Rougarou caught on tape. And, and I've watched those videos and I'm just... I'm very skeptical. I'm watching these things. I'm like, that, how do you know that's a Rougarou? That's just a dead leopard. What are you guys doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> a dead leopard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I'm of the firm belief that there haven't been any sightings or or it's hard to have seen one because either if if you're, if you're looking at it, you're going to look at its eyes and you're going to become one. Okay. that That's the rule, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a messed up rule, but it's the rule, damn it. <laughs> we have to obey it. So and they're not gonna go around telling people that they saw one because then everyone's gonna think, oh, then this person's one too, because just being around one is enough to, to become one. So mm -hmm. from what I've heard. So I gave it a three for detectability. Yeah, I think that's a, a good score. Because well, the way I was looking at it, my research, one of the ways to have to fend off the curse after you cut it, which I still have issues with, is to not speak about it within one year and a day. So by then, a one year and a day time lapse, the Rougarou is going to be long gone. Good luck finding it. Like trying to go back to that original spot. So it's detectability in that aspect is 
not going to be you're not going to be able to track it at that point. It's been over a year. And then on top of that, it's like I got attacked by a werewolf a year and a day ago, <laughs> and the person you're talking to is like, "What the hell are you talking about? How did you not tell me about this sooner?" And you explain, <laughs> "If I had told you sooner, I would have become a werewolf." And then the other person's like, "I don't know if I believe that." <laughs> so then the person just <laughs> believes a little less in the Rougarou, thus making it harder to find the Rougarou, right? Yep. <laughs> so I gave it a three. <laughs> <laughs> And how about the allure and mystique of our cryptid? So as you wonderfully detailed the history throughout of the werewolves, I didn't go into the vampire lore, but... That's even more just, vast. It, yeah, I, I believe because there's so much on werewolves and there's so much on vampires, and the fact that even that combined still doesn't give you Rougarou stuff, because Rougarou also has its own kind of lore... Mm-hmm. I I just gave it a four. I mean, mm-hmm. flat out. Yeah, yeah. So this one is a, I think a hard one to score a little bit to do a, a a real good scoring of it because much the info out there is just basic werewolf information, but then over and over again I saw like Cajun tradition and Cajun stories say, but I never actually found any actual like transcribed stories about like Cajun stories related to the Rougarou was just like a, one sentence here, one sentence there. It was never like these are, um, it was just like the same stuff over and over again. I read about how, uh, in some aspects though, how common the term is in that one lady, when she couldn't sleep, she says she's been the Rougarou as she was tossing and turning all night in bed. So it was just like, I guess, a way to show the uh, how commonly like, terminology of the Rougarou has become part of some people's lives in Louisiana. As a cautionary tale, it's it's fun, but at the same time, you know, what kid really needs a cautionary tale that lives in the bayou? There's stuff that will kill you all over the place. I mean, it, it can be pretty crazy. I don't necessarily know if a threat of a werewolf on top of all that is really needed. You know, the insane amount of ways and variations of becoming the Rougarou um, I think is the bread and butter of the lore, but I think I I settled on a three just because some of the ways of the like transferring the curse or things like that they don't um, necessarily make sense to me. I think there's a lot of conflicting rules in the rule set of the Rougarou as far as the the way that the curse actually works. So that bumped down the mystique of it a little bit for me too again a three so how about the how about the cunning of the Rougarou cunning and intelligence this is the this is the, uh, the one that the makes it or no. breaks it <laughs> oh man this thing i mean let's just face it it's it's a human at some point and humans are gonna human they're gonna get a four <laughs> <laughs> yep yep Exactly. But what about when it's in its Rougarou form, uh, full of bloodlust and rage? Well, that's they For still have to. How many? Uh, how many days that it's stuck like that? I can't remember. Hundred? What is it? Hundred one? <laughs> it still. I. I mean, it still has. Like, it still has a four because when you're in mm. bloodlust mode, you're still actively seeking out some sort of thing to hunt and kill and 
I guess there's no mention of it, but I'm sure you can still think like a human and kind of maybe come up with cunning ways to to trap a human or mm-hmm. something. So you give you did give it a four? Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're on different sides of the spectrum here because <laughs> I think you're leaving out one crucial thing. What's that? It gets thwarted by people who have leaves in their pockets and 13 <laughs> beans on their windowsill. The entire you know, concept of lycanthropy, werewolves, the whole idea is that you shred your humanity and, I think, and embrace the animalistic. So the way I look at it, you by the sheer act, you lose yourself and you become a bloodthirsty killing machine. However, that's, I guess, not necessarily any different than some human beings in their normal state. <laughs> but the whole can't count past 13 or a hexagon <laughs> keeps it away. Like there's some very basic things, leaves in your wallet, some things that outsmart the Rougarou that necessarily I don't think should outsmart it, but they do. It's part of the rule set. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. The loss of extreme cognitive thought where you can't count past 13 beans, I give it a one. Listen, I was unboxing uh, a board game the other day, and there were some cards in it that were wrapped in some plastic wrap. And as I take off the plastic wrap, I guess it had static on it, and it would stick to my hands. And I had maybe 30 minutes of fun just playing with the static, (laughs) thinking that I had magic powers. (laughs) I've done the same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I forgive the the Rougarou for that. There's some, yeah, I guess she can't, you can't, uh, I don't know, I was trying to think of some stupid saying, but I know what you mean. We're just on, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in that different side of it. And I, I also feel, I feel a bit sore that, you know, I feel like every great, creature must have some sort of weakness to them and i'm sure that santa claus doesn't have one (laughs) i was just gonna say (laughs) santa claus has no weaknesses my friend he is a powerhouse (laughs) leaves aren't keeping him away although well i was gonna say although the the chimneys kept him away but he solved that by just going in different holes in the house so (laughs) it wasn't a problem for him how about the impact on popular culture for the rougarou this one takes a, a big hit because mm-hmm. despite, you know, werewolf stuff, the Rougarou itself isn't, I mean, you don't really hear about it until, until you start looking up things in Louis, about Louisiana, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's the only time I've ever heard of it. Um, there is a roller coaster in, in, in I an amusement, read about that, yeah. an amusement park in Cedar Point in Ohio. Uh, it was called the Mantis originally, and then I guess they shapeshifted it into the Rougarou. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so they, they closed it down, remodeled it, and then it reopened as the Rougarou. And that's pr- pretty much the, the the high point, I guess, of the Rougarou. In, <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, in Ohio of all places. Like, okay. Um, I give it... Uh, two. This is this I think happens a lot. What that uh, for the cryptids that we look at, it becomes like for this one, you you have to shed 
like you're saying, like the werewolf portion of it. It's like looking at the skunk ape. You have to shred. You have to shed the like bigfootness of like the lore away from it when you're looking at the impact of it, and it just becomes sort of a regional powerhouse. So there is a that I saw a, a Rougarou festival that seems really popular, and it just it really in my mind seems a lot like the hodag of Wisconsin or the you know Mothman of uh, West Virginia, like very. This is our thing for our state, and we effing love it. Uh, I found a show called Cajun Justice, sort of like the basically the cops of the Bayou show, and they have a bunch of officers uh, talking about the Rougarou. Some guy that they respond to a call on, he's like, "I think the Rougarou tried to break into my barn," and the officers like, "Oh yeah, the Rougarou did it," and he like rolls his eyes, and they make sort of a, a joke about it, but uh-huh. they kept like showing the, uh, these like swamp hillbillies that they would talk to that to go like help them and they would be saying like oh it was the rougarou doing something and the cops just didn't believe it then they interviewed a few of the cops and like i don't believe it it's bullshit but then other cops were like i think it's real so i don't know (laughs) cajun justice it is what it is there is a rougarou beer it makes the list tin roof brewing company makes the rougarou and people seem to like it on the Untapped app, three uh, 3.8 out of 5. It is a Imperial Black Ale. And the website says, Stories abound of the night-lurking, bayou-wandering creature of Cajun lore, the Rougarou, a shadow that haunts nightwalkers... <laughs> the shadow... A shadow that haunts nightwalkers who venture into his realm. Like its namesake, this dark, malty beast of a brew will maul your palate with a vicious hop backbone, elusive roast undertones, and an intense aroma. So, that was neat. Uh, the last thing that I saw was that, apparently, before rebranding into the Pelicans, uh, there was talk of the NBA team, the Pelicans actually being the Rougarous. So, that would have been neat, but Pelicans, I guess, is it's a state bird, so what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I rated it a two. Not <laughs> I talked about more stuff, but it was still the same score. <laughs> <laughs> so with my score, that adds up to an 11. How about you? Uh, I get a 16.75. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be our widest score disparency. Yeah. My 11, you're 16.75. Mm-hmm. With our rubric of power, the Rougarou finishes with a 13.875. Not a bad Ooh, score. How's yeah. that uh, sort of rank up against some other entities that we've looked at? So the Rougarou sits right underneath the Santa Claus, right above the Suchinoko. So second place so far. Mm. Uh, how's it compared to some Season 1 dudes? The Rougarou is... That's got to be right. up towards like Baba Yaga, right? Yeah, second place to Baba Yaga. No, uh, sorry, uh, second place to Wendigo. Uh, it's th- third place. Yeah, so Wendigo's first, Baba Yaga's second, and then it's the Rougarou. Mm-hmm. So if he had some, uh, if he was in season one, Rougarou could have done some real challenge, but not a challenge for season two, Mega Cryptid Santa Claus. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> any last things to say about the Rougarou before we cut it and not speak about it so that we don't turn into one too this one was uh definitely interesting because it led me down to that path i mentioned earlier with all those different other 
kind of uh, creatures of folklore from the Caribbean and uh, South America and Africa. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I would eventually like to learn more of those other kinds of cryptids, I guess you'd call them instead of, I don't think they're mythical. I think they're real. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. They had some really cool aspects to them. I think would be really neat to uh, really dive into. And yeah. And uh, the Ruger is neat. uh, I think to look into just trying to, separate the you know basic werewolfness and see sort of a a localized or regional entity that was like a subset of this like mega mythological creature of the of the werewolf um yeah and it was neat you know looking into a very even though took a long time to get through it just a very very brief uh, of what I discussed of the lore of uh, werewolves and stuff like that. And even just the real, very much real world aspect of French Acadians going into Spanish Louisiana to, to reside after the French and Indian War. And then how the you know, rise of Cajun culture after that impacted a state. You know, we get a Ruguru after that. That's the story. <laughs> so it, was, it was neat just to see how traveling groups of people impact an area with culture and stories and beliefs and things like that and 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 not only about how the creatures the 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 stories of those creatures themselves evolve as they travel yeah yeah like even based on the uh i just mentioned it briefly but like the acadians and devout catholicism of then the ruguru being this entity that would specifically target uh, disobedient Catholics. I mean, that's just, that's yeah. crazy, not crazy, but it, it's really neat look into like, uh, I guess an entity outside of religion, but then gets a religious like representation in a yeah. small subset of people. It's really neat. So thanks for joining us in our somewhat longly <laughs> complicated <laughs> conversation of the Ruguru and join us next time as we switch back to the curio side of things looking into the roman dodecahedron specific item that archaeologists haven't been able to completely understand what the true purpose is so we'll try to take a look at that explain what it is and see how this little object what its story is make sure to check us out on social media our twitter handles at cracking curios Instagram, it's at Cracking Cryptids. And if you want to tweet any questions about the cryptids or the curios or anything in between, make sure you want uh, address it to us at Cracking Curios as well as at Carl Shooker. He has a lot to uh, <laughs> answer to. Um, and hashtag Cracked Cryptids. And we also have email, whoever, you know, you old fogies out there that still use that manner of communication. You can send us an email at crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. And maybe one day we'll actually read that email. On air. (laughs) On air. air. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, our very first uh, vocal fan. We got got our first uh, love letter. Pretty much from one of our fa- uh, somebody that listens to us, Darwin's Deviations. So anyone else listening, he's got his own podcast as well. Also, pretty interesting stuff. 
actually uh, talking about lesser known or obscure real life animals and uh, interesting, interesting uh, facts and and tales about them. So give that, make sure to give that a listen because I think that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So please don't, uh, don't be shy. Feel free to tell us more. uh, I love you messages. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we'll make, uh, we'll try to give you guys a shout out on air as well. Some, you know, some people might be wondering about this, uh, that weird creature I, I talked about a while back. Got, getting messages from a source, anonymous source, about this weird laughing cryptid. And I have an update, and it's a, a sad update, a, a sad oh, and, and <laughs> angry update. See, I somebody revealed to me that this creature is actually a hoax. Ah, oh, nuts. Yeah, and apparently it was a, a a disgruntled old high school enemy. <laughs> Not my enemy, somebody else's but an old high school enemy who just wanders around making strange noises just because, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what a weird tale that was. <laughs> <laughs> I never let us never speak of it again. <laughs> Just like the Ruguru, we can't speak about it. Our lips are sealed. Yep. And so we seal that into our little um, curio box and set it aside. Put it deep in the vault. <laughs> Put it deep, deep, deep in the vault. In the lower level of the bunker. Is that, is that, uh, like the ending of uh, Indiana Jones, right? Is that is that the one? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Ark of the Covenant being put away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right next to the crystal skull. (laughs) (laughs) The end. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. This is my sad song. <laughs>